Welcome back to another episode of All Things Football. Today we have a great episode planned for you. We've got a little bit of some appetizers. We've got talking about the Lamar Jackson situation that's currently ongoing. We're going to talk a little bit about our different draft techniques and preferences when we look at, at the draft and how we kind of rate and compare um, draft prospects and which rounds we'll take them. We're going to talk about why we love the draft individually, why we're looking forward to it, and then the real meat and potatoes of our draft rankings. We're going to give you our top five rankings of this current draft class by position. All that and more here on All Things Football. All righty, Chase. So what's going on with the Lamar Jackson situation? Well, he, since we don't have an agent, Lamar Jackson just tweeted out because we didn't have anything slip out, right? Agents are helpful to kind of get the media and the fans involved in this. But he tweeted out that he had actually requested a trade on March 2nd, you know, kind of confirming that maybe the bridges might be burnt in Baltimore and that he does not want to continue playing for the Ravens. Yeah, it certainly seems when you kind of take to Twitter on your own and go to you know, start a, a Twitter fight, you know, with your current employer, it's hard to see how that can kind of be mended to where you're going to go back and, and work for them moving forward. Uh, I know we, when we first talked about the Mark Jackson um, situation, you had asked me if I thought that they would be able to make amends and come back. And I thought they did. No, no, they would. Um, obviously it looks like now that this was all the way back in March 2nd. So it was, it's not recently, it's been ongoing for a whole month now. So that was pretty surprising that it was kept this, you know, this, the lid was kept closed on this for so long. Conveniently enough, though, Lamar Jackson tweets this at the same time his head coach is about to address the media. So very, very interesting time. I don't think that was a coincidence at all. I think that he definitely had that planned. So when you're taking those subtle kind of shots there at, at your, your head coach, hard to see how you're going to come back and play from. Yeah, and Harbaugh said that, you know, he expects – Lamar back in the pur or purple and black, right? He doesn't think Lamar's going anywhere. Like he just kind of dissed the the whole trade request notion, kind of like when a when a kid threatens to hold his breath until he dies, you know, when he's having a tamper tantrum, and the mom's like, "No, no, you won't." It's kind of how I I thought the uh, coach Harbaugh handled that situation. It's kind of fun to see how this is going to revolve. If there's going to be a team that wants to give up the package that the Ravens are going to ask, or if uh, they're just going to franchise tag him until they can mend it over. Or, you know, kind of interesting down there in Baltimore. Yeah, so I mean, obviously right now, so if he requests a trade and the, and the Falcons honor that trade, all right, he would have to sign the franchise tender. But that would mean that that um, the, a team would not have to give up the two first-round picks to get him if the Ravens open that up and, and accept his offer for a trade. So uh, there could be a different trade package. It could just be one first-rounder, additional picks, or whatever it is. It would not be the guaranteed two first-rounders due to the non-exclusive franchise tag, which I thought, you know, on top of the the guaranteed money he was wanting, obviously was a huge obstacle because you're giving up, you know, quite a bit of draft capital for for a quarterback there. So that definitely helps. I think that definitely helps Lamar Jackson's case. So if, if the Ravens are at this point, they're like, listen, this is, isn't going to work out. They want to move forward. You can definitely get at least one first rounder for Lamar Jackson. I don't think you can accept anything less, to be honest. Um, yeah. So I, you know, if they get, you know, and maybe, maybe a team higher in the draft goes, maybe the Colts, you know, pull the trigger on it. Maybe one of those other higher teams go on and then the Ravens could take a look at a quarterback this year. You know, in the draft, a lot of different scenarios there happening, but um, it definitely works out in the Ravens' favor. I think accepting this this trade because they'd be able to, 
to, I don't know, to get rid of him easier. I guess just to say if, if they really decide that they, it's, it's not going to work out. Cause I can also see Lamar Jackson just, you know, being on the team and then just not showing up or showing up and not doing anything. And that's just going to cause a distraction. And, and honestly, at that point, you're just better off just shipping them off, at least getting some capital for it and just, and just moving forward and go your separate ways. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of gets shades of the uh, Le'Veon Bell situation that the Steelers had to deal with uh, a while back. You know, that's kind of what I see, right? Le'Veon Bell wanted this guaranteed contract. No team wanted to give it to him. The Steelers weren't going to give it to him. He sat out a year, came back, realized that he wasn't going to get it, accepted less money to play for a worse team, get the Jets back then. And uh, so I I just, it's scary to see that Lamar might be repeating old Le'Veon's footsteps. I, I swear if Le'Veon uh, or if Lamar tweets out a picture of him on a jet ski, I'm going to freak. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of different ways that, that this can go for sure. But that's kind of just a brief update here, kind of what the Lamar Jackson situation is going on. And we'll, and we'll see we'll see where where that ends up as it's looking now. It doesn't look like he's going to be a Raven for for much longer. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move on to to the real topic of discussion here. Obviously, yes. we've got to cover everything here in the league going on. That's kind of an impactful story that's kind of ongoing. But we really want to talk about the draft. So before we kind of get into giving our, our draft kind of prospect rankings and things like that, we want to talk about why we love the draft. Every year the draft comes around. Every year we do these mock drafts. We study these players coming out of the draft. We watch the comma. We do all this different stuff. But why? Chase. Tell us and the viewers, why do you love the draft? Yeah, so I was thinking back to my first time, you know, actually paying attention to the draft. It'd be that 2015 draft with uh, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, right? Those were the highlight players. And I was thinking these are the guys that I watched play college ball, right? Because as an Iowa Hawkeye fan and a, a team, you know, a guy that lived in Iowa with no professional sports team, that was our professional sports team. So always been a Packers fan, but didn't really care about any team outside of the Green Bay Packers, watching these college players play. That was all, all I was for, right? And then I realized that there was some uh, something that caused them, you know, I could continue watching them going to the league. I thought that was what kind of drew me in. And then the more I got looked into the drafts, I got to see that, you know, they're kind of, it's kind of a mystery, right? A, a crapshoot per se. I could go out and I could make my own decisions on these players. I could test my knowledge against other GMs of the, of the league. Uh, I think that's what kind of drew me in is being able to watch these players that I'd fallen in love with in college, right? And see where I projected them and my opinions on them compared to the league's opinions. And then all the chaos of draft day, right? That, that uh, old uh, Kevin Costner movie draft day where he's the GM for the Browns, you know, when he makes the four trades and Vontaze, Vontaze Mack over it over everything right that's on the cue card i think that just accelerated my my love for the draft i just love to see uh my knowledge against the gm's knowledge i watch that movie every year during yeah. the season it's like when you watch you know like the santa claus or home alone every year during christmas you yes. watch draft day every <laughs> april before the draft yes love that movie. don't think it's as realistic as some people might think um but yeah, it's, still, it's still um it's definitely still a fun movie. Yeah. Um, still a fun movie. <sighs> why uh, Why I love the draft. This has got me thinking kind of introspectively because for a long time, I never watched the draft. I've always been a football fan. I've always watched football. 
it started off um so you know from kansas city so a chiefs fan my whole life so it started off just watching chiefs games that's all i would watch i didn't care about anything else but the chiefs games so i would watch it with my dad we'd come home every sunday after church we'd watch chiefs games that was it and then as i kind of started getting older i started look you know obviously liking football more and the chiefs weren't very good um <laughs> and so i you know, started watching some other teams and so and then I started watching, you know, and then it was, you know, Monday night football. And then it was Thursday night football. It was Sunday night football. I started branching out and watching more football. And then obviously loosely followed college my whole life. Um, Mizzou Tigers were my team, obviously being from Missouri. They've never really been good either. Um, but um, so just getting into that and then just trying to get into more. Um, as I was getting into more football, I wanted to just consume as much football as I could. And so by that point, I was watching, you know, college every Saturday, NFL, you know, every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, as much football as I could get. Still wasn't into the draft quite yet, though. Um, I would just, you know, look at the recap on my phone, see who the Chiefs got. And I was like, OK, cool. We got these players. Hopefully they'll work out. But then when I when I started, uh, honestly, for me, it happened in, in 20 in 2018 was the first year where I really focused on the draft. And honestly, I think it's because so. When I was on, on my mission for my church in Puerto Rico, I went two years from 2015 to 2017 where I had no football at all. While we're, while we're on our missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we don't do any of the outside world stuff. Just focus on, you know, on, our, on our mission, right, and, and preaching the gospel. And so that left such a, when I came back, there was such a void missing of football that I just had to fill it with, with literally everything. And so that was when, when there wasn't any football on the watch. There was a draft, there was a combine. And so that's when I started getting into it for because I had missed football so much. I just needed to like overcompensate to have that football during the off season. And so I was able to finally get that football and really get into the draft and study those players. And then, like you said, I think for me, I would, my dream job in, in the NFL would be a general manager. I'm not saying I'd be any good at it. I'm better than any of these other guys, but to, to sit there and, and put a team, you know, a championship team together, that's gotta be so gratifying. And so, for me, being able to kind of look about how what I think how I can make certain teams better and I'm paying attention to these players, you know, how they are in college and projecting them into the NFL, the different rounds where I would take in the different teams, I think would be a good fit. It's just super fun kind of putting the team together, being like an yeah. architect and, and building an overall product of, of a team that I think could be successful. And so for me, I just get like a, an immense joy of just kind of uh, fulfilling my, my lifelong dream of being a GM that would never happen, but I get to pretend like it does with these mock drafts and every year going into it. And so for me, that's, that's why I love the draft is because I get to just do a little bit of, of you know, my lifelong dream of, of a satisfaction of, of being general manager, even if it's just here, you know, doing mock drafts uh, on a podcast. Um, and so that's, yeah. that's why I love the draft because I get to, to play pretend GM. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? Is you got into football first, and then you couldn't get enough football, and you got into the draft. And I was the opposite way, right? I got into uh, the draft kind of first, and then the draft accelerated my love to football, where I was, you know, knowing these guys, these, you know, six, fifth rounders by name, you know, watching them, hoping to see one of them play or the, the steal of the draft, right? You know, the draft is a, a magical time in everyone's life. And it's actually just a month away from this, the, the recording of this. We got a month to go. Yeah, that's super exciting. Obviously, it's super cool too to watch these guys' dreams come true. I mean, how yes. how hard that they work for for their entire life to get to this point to make it to the National Football League is super fun to watch. Um, especially you know the change it's going to make for them and their families moving forward. 
a lot of people come as as ESPN loves to show us from these these horrible hard um, <laughs> backgrounds, and so um, it's nice that you know that they're rewarded for, for the hard work and, and have a yeah. chance to come out of that, you know, and bring their family along, and obviously their future family to where their future family will have to struggle kind of like they did. So super gratifying yeah. and satisfying yeah. to see those players, especially when they're, I really like, honestly, I, I prefer them when they, when they're at home with their families, instead of being at, at the actual draft, um, just to celebrate when they get that phone call with their families. It's, it's a really cool moment to see. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that COVID draft that we had to happen that Goodell, you know, that was like the best thing I think Goodell's ever done is that COVID draft. He operated that very, very uh, professionally and to, to see that uh, webcam footage of all the players just get to celebrate with their family in their home. You know, you know, we've seen, uh, I can't even think of who it was, the USC guy backflip into his pool and, uh, you know, uh, a couple guys break down to tears. You know, that's always a, a bonus part of the draft that I enjoy seeing these, these young men with their, you know, live out their childhood dreams. It's super fun. And then when they get to fly in like the following day and actually meet the team, they get their jerseys. That just has to be like the best moment ever. So yeah, super, super excited for super excited for those guys on, on draft night there, no yeah. matter when, no matter which night you're get drafted. Um, obviously no one, not everybody player can be in the first round, but all that matters is you make the most of your opportunity. So good luck to you guys on draft day. And um, we'll be, we'll be rooting for you live Absolutely. in person. So, so. Yes. Yes. And it's funny that you said the 2018 draft, because that was the year that I actually started understanding the draft, right? In 2015, I thought if you were drafted first, you were the best player. I didn't, you know, understand that, you know, the teams didn't already know who the best player was, right? I thought Jameis Winston was the next future star just because he was drafted number one overall. By 2018, I understood that teams, you know, sometimes uh, overvaluate and undervaluate players and, you know, got into mock drafts there and fell in love with my man Baker. But, uh. Hey, not every player can go 30 for 30 in a season chase. It takes a very That's true. special That's type of player. Okay. That's true. I, 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 I am a big Jameis Winston guy just because he, he was kind of the reason I started, you know, into the draft stuff. So shout out Jameis and Winston 30 for 30, get on it. ESPN. <laughs> 30 for 30. Hey, we love you. We love you, Jameis. No, no shots intended. Um, no, let's go ahead and, and now. So another part of, of the draft, a big part is kind of strategizing. So every team yeah. kind of has their identity. Each GM kind of has their identity of where they value certain positions, right? Some people will say they, you know, they don't, they won't take a, a running back in the first round. They like this type of certain player. They like this position to be a certain size, you know, certain weight, certain arm, like, you know, a lot of different strategies and techniques when going into into the draft and everyone's kind of different. So just kind of pick our brains here, Chase example for you. What are some, maybe whenever you're looking at the draft personally, you know, if you were a GM or, or just looking at that, what do you think, what are kind of your draft tendencies when it comes to players and positions and where they should be taken? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple. Uh, Obviously I think the biggest one for me is if I draft a guy in the first round, I want him to be a starter. Right. I'm not a I'm not a sit guy, which is funny because, you know, that's what the Green Bay Packers tend to do a lot is they draft the next upcoming guy to play next season or in Jordan Love's case, three season. But I want a day one starter in the first. I want um, I don't I don't really like running backs in the first unless they're like crazy, like maybe a Saquon level. I don't really like tight ends in the first or inside linemen. Right. I think you know, like guards, centers. I think you can find a plethora of really good tight ends and offensive guards in the second. And of course, just like normal, you know, running back, you know, that's a, that's a very crucial spot. 
spot that you can find really late. Most of the good players, most of the good running backs in the league are, you know, day two to day three picks. What about you, Garrett? You got any tendencies that you'd seem to follow or uh, strategies that you, when you make your mock drafts and you fill out, that's what you kind of lean towards? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I'm with you on the whole, no running back in, in the first round. And, and the, the, well, the biggest reason why is, um, be just the, the value of the position, the, the, exactly. the years that they have are just, it's just too short. Um, mm-hmm. and when you're drafting somebody in the first round, you have the, 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 the benefit of having them for five years on that rookie contract, obviously with the fifth year options, so you're able to have like you, you know, a day one starter, someone that can come in and immediately contribute and that they can be cheap for several seasons. And so it yeah. just doesn't make sense to do that just because a, a, not a lot of times are you going to give you the, the running back you drafted a second year contract. Um, most likely they're going to get that from another team. Very rarely does one, you know, player stay for the team for so long. I mean, you saw the Giants at pick number four take Saquon Barkley. You know, he's had injury history. They're just franchise tag him. So he's not even going to have a second contract yet. You know, we'll see what happens as he fully comes back from those injuries. But it's just it's just hard. The running back position is, is very hard. And I agree, you can find that deep in, in, in the draft. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs just won the Super Bowl with, with Isaiah Pacheco. Who was drafted in the seventh round. So, I mean, you can't any play like he was the starter played meaningful snaps. Like you can't just, you can't yeah. tell me that you have to draft high on that position just because I don't think a running back is a, um, is that honestly that, that important of a position when yeah. you're putting together a Super Bowl team. I mean, you look at, you look at teams that have, you know, the best running backs in the league. The Cowboys had Ezekiel Elliott for a while. Titans have had in Derrick Henry for a while. Saquon Barkley when he's healthy. Christian McCaffrey, you know, a lot of these great running backs for sure. And I love them. Like, I love the running back position 100%. Yes. It's one of my favorite positions, actually. But it's just the, the I don't think when we're talking about in positions of importance in, in a Super Bowl team, running back for me is very, very low on that list. Uh, another, yeah, I- another kind of um, strategy for me is just um, no such thing as luxury picks. No such thing as a luxury pick. I learned that. When the Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Alaire you know, after they won the Super Bowl with that 30-second pick as their luxury pick. It's like, oh, we can't. Our team, you know, the Chiefs are so good. They're bringing back everybody. Let's just pick, you know, a luxury pick. And the luxury pick was, was you know, was, was a running back in the first round. And Clyde, you know, he's been, you know, just average, right? He hasn't been anything great. And I just think about the value that they could have had in another position at that level, I mean, he didn't even suit up for them at all in the Super Bowl. So he was, you know, he was sitting there on the sideline in, in jeans and a t-shirt, just like I was. So the the whole luxury pick thing, I I don't believe that. If anybody tells me their team can afford a luxury pick, they're lying to you. They're wrong. It is a horrible strategy. I do not agree with so-called luxury picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. That's a that's a very good take, right? There's always there's never a perfect team. There's always somewhere that you can get better. You don't need to to take a you know you don't have the ability to take a luxury pick. A guy you know oh instead of upgrading here we can afford to do no you can't. And that Clyde Edwards Hilaire broke both of your rules, right? Running back in the first luxury pick. That must have been a rough. That was a rough draft for both of us. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a love draft, wasn't it? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that was a rough draft for me. I mean, I'm not going to lie. So, but, um, but yeah, those are kind of my, my two strongest, I guess, strategies or, or things, you know, my pet peeves on, on draft night is yes. when, 
when you know taking a running back at one overall or just in general where you're picking a luxury pick and, and you're not using that to actually get a, a player of you know at a meaningful position to play meaningful you know snaps and meaningful football yeah exactly i agree i agree all right well hey i think it's time i think it it is all righty let's let's debut our top five draft prospect rankings of the 2023 nfl draft now we're not going to start with quarterback we're going to do quarterback last because we think that's going to be the one we're going to differ the most yep the gloves are coming off Gloves are coming off, so I got my draft <laughs> notebook here. And we'll start. So then since we're not doing quarterback chase, should we start with the running back position? Yeah, I think so. We just talked about you know, we just talked about how we don't want to take any in the first, but it's a it's a it's a fun position, right? It's a it's a position that when when you they see a good draft team, you know, fans go nuts for it. It's a very fun you know, it's one of the funnest positions, you know, that the home run pick. So let's start with running back. Let's do it. You want to go ahead and debut your rankings here real quick? Yeah, absolutely. At number one, I have Bijan Robinson from Texas. Number two, I've got Jamar Gibbs. Number three, I have Zach Charbonnet. Number four, I have Tajay Spears. And number five, I have Roshan Johnson, Bijan's backup. Oh, wow. Interesting. So um, I like that. So here's here's my rankings here. So not a lot of you don't differ a lot here actually. Just in number five. So my one through four is is the same here as yours. Um, my number five, a pick that might shock you, but it's going to be Chase Brown. Ah, I love. Yep, I love Chase Brown. Um, I do be liking Chase Brown. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, one and two, Bijan and Jameer Gibbs are are pretty self explanatory. Don't have to go into into too much in too much discussion um, about those players. Um, Zach Charbonnet, you know, my biggest notes here on, on his on his ability to be a dual threat um, yes. running back. That's super super important here in, in the NFL as we become more of a, a passing league to have a not just you know a running back who could run the ball, but somebody who, who can catch the ball out of the backfield or even have some routes in the route tree to to line up there you know, in the slot and, and run some routes as well. So I think Zach Charbonnet there is, is, is going to be that type of player for sure. Yeah, no, I really, I really like Zach Charbonnet. I think Gibbs is just a better athlete. That's why he's at two, but I, I am very, very uh, high on Zach Charbonnet. I like him awesome. a lot. Well, talk me, talk me with then how, you, you know, with, uh, with Bijan's backup there at pick number five, talk me through kind of why you have them there on your top five. Yeah, so I, I as looking at the running backs, you know, watching tape, you know, I think that, you know, the top four, I think, are the easy picks. That fifth guy, you go a lot. You know, there's uh, Devon A-Chain from Texas A&M. He gets a lot of hype. Chase Brown, and then, uh, what, is it Sean Tucker from Syracuse, I think, or Sean Taylor, that the really speedy guy from Syracuse. But I, this uh, Johnson is just athlete, man. He, he tested crazy at his, uh, I think he was at the Senior Bowl as well, tested crazy. 
And uh, that's what I thought, you know, running back, I think as much as you take hits, it's not a position. It's a position that if you have an athlete, most of the time they go to running back, right? You just want the fastest, strongest, best athlete at that position. And I think Roshan Johnson is the, the best athlete that's not that we haven't already named, right? He might not be the fastest with A-chain coming in at blazing speed, but uh, I really like his just athletic ability to, to get, take a, a simple inside zone play to the house. I like it. That's a good analysis. Yeah. And so for me, kind of what I was thinking on that number five spot, I was going back and forth with a couple, with a couple different players, but uh, I just kind of really fell on, on Chase Brown and just kind of really just kind of fell in love with them. You know, he's one of my, one of my draft crushes this year at the running back position. I think he's going to be a steal later on in the draft by no means. I don't think he's a day one, you know, pick at all no. day two, maybe at the end of the third, but probably not. Um, but I really just liked um, his his elusiveness. I thought was yeah. very impressive. He was, you know, tied third third in the in, in college of of most missed tackles, and then also his ability to to run the ball. So I mean, he had twenty three runs of fifteen or more yards throughout the season. So he's fast when he can get out there. He can go, and and you love to see that obviously in a running back whenever they can find the open field and just take off and and then make people miss. Obviously, you know, elusiveness is, is a huge is a huge trait in a running back. Now, obviously, the only, you know, one of the biggest downsides of Chase Brown is his tendency to cough up the football. That is, <laughs> you know, unfortunate. But um, obviously, you know, you know, fumbles are going to happen, but you can come up there and you, and you can make the most of it whenever you're learning at the next level to, to hold on to the ball. You know, going to be hit a lot harder, but you're going to have better coaching. Yeah. And, you know, and just as you continue to grow, um, to make sure to keep that ball safe. But that's kind of why I had Chase up here in, in my top five is I just really love his his, his running uh, capability, his speed, and his elusiveness. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as a as our resident Big Ten homer, right, I watched him quite a, quite a bit. And he is he was all of Illinois' offense, man. There, if, if Chase Brown had a bad game, Illinois had a bad game. You know, they had that stellar defense with a couple of guys that I'm sure we might get to later on with in, in our uh, – rankings but uh that that offense ran through chase brown you always like to see that you know a lot of people talk about running back touches in college how they're scared you know oh but it actually proves that the guys who have the most touches in college are the most ready to go to the nfl as uh jonathan taylor derrick henry you know alvin Kamara, those those type of guys they tend to pan out better in the nfl yeah 1600 1600 yards almost 2000 all-purpose yards so that's that's a lot of volume even in college yeah. so yeah um so he's he's he can definitely handle the volume i think and coming up there and, and eventually be successfully in nfl so excited to see kind of where he lands and and his potential so definitely someone you know i'll be watching when he gets to the league for sure yeah absolutely absolutely i'm not mad about chase brown at five All right moving on what do you think we've tackled the wide receivers i don't think there'll Let's... be much I think maybe our, our positions might be off, but I think we'll have the same five names, I believe. I'll let you start um, this one out. Okay, let's do it. So at, at number one, I have Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba. Nick Jigba. <laughs> that, <laughs> that name's going to give me problems for the for the rest of his career. But uh, yes. I have Zay, Zay Flowers cool. at number two. At number three, I have Quentin Johnson. Four, I have Jordan Addison. And five, I have Jalen Hyatt. Oh, okay. So we don't, we don't. All right. 
All right, so I'll rank mine, and then we'll talk about that a little because we do differ a little bit. We have a, um, number one is JSN again. You know, I think he is just a knockout of the park home run wide receiver. Number two, I have Jordan Addison. I I really like Addison's ability. He's not a burner, but he's a decent route or really good route runner. He uh, performed with Kenny Pickett, and he transferred to USC. He performed with uh, Caleb Williams. Number three, I have Quinton Johnston. Number four, I have Josh Downs. And then number five, I have Zay Flowers. So. Uh, the guy, oh, obviously, gosh. that we have different, uh, Josh Downs. I really like Josh Downs coming out of UNC, Drake May, and Sam Howell's favorite target back back then. Uh, he's kind of small, and he lacks strength at the next level. He gets kind of pushed around in press coverage a little bit, but I think I think that's one thing that the NFL weight room can help put on. You know, I don't know how good you, you at you and C's weight room is, you know, but I think uh, an NFL team can help him kind of put the strength in his upper body, but he's an excellent route runner. He tends to pluck balls out of the air with his hands. And he was for a little guy, he was kind of a red zone target, kind of like an Adam Thielen, you know, where he was a red zone target, but not a big, you know, kind of Masha target like T, T. Higgins is. I, I'm really high on uh, Josh Downs. That's good. Yes. I mean, I'm not, um, you know, not mad at that at all. Um, I just is, I'm just, I just really love Hyatt. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, each position, you know, typically I have what I refer to as my draft, my draft crush, um, yeah. where it's just somebody that I just, I really love and I refuse to put him anywhere below number five. You know, obviously I'm not, you know, crushing enough to make him the number one overall wide receiver. Yeah, I know yeah. I'm not that naive or that in love, but to be in their top five, you know, a player who I, I'm really high on, I really like. And yeah, for me, that's Jalen Hyatt. I mean, you talk about speed. You talk about a guy that can turn on the burners and just draw overs, verts, crossovers, and everything like that, and um, and just get him into space, get him the ball in his hands, and he is gone. It's uh, it's honestly just kind of like watching what you know Tyree Kill does. Um, just one of those guys who is just so so fast and and just and just as good at, at at finding the end zone when he has the ball in his hand. So I look back at, at the game that Hyatt had against Bama. Um, when he just put on a, a clinic, I think he scored. I'm yes. pretty sure every single touchdown that game. Um, I think not so. Almost all of them. And so he was just getting the ball and he was just took over that game. And so, uh, yeah, so I just, I just love on that. That game for me was when I was like, oh, this guy, I would love to have him on my team. So very high on Jalen Hyatt. Excited to see kind of where he goes, what, what offensive system he goes to. The offensive system in Tennessee is very kind of gimmicky, very different. That's, yeah. Um, okay. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So obviously, you know, there is that concern. So, you know, I haven't overlooked that as well, but whenever you're just looking at, at the talent that he has, you know, I'm hopeful that he'd be able to translate that in the NFL. And, you know, and, and if he's, if he's in the right system and he's in the right offense, I think he can, he can be very successful. Yeah. Yeah. Hyatt reminds me of kind of uh, Christian Watson coming out of uh, mm. North Dakota state. They kind of run a gimmicky system, right? Christian Watson looks like a, like a stud. I am very high on him being a Packer, but uh, I wasn't happy when he drafted him, right? He's he, Hyatt kind of has the same. He's kind of a bigger body. I think Hyatt's like six one, I believe, but a bigger body speed guy, you know, kind of like an MVS, you know, again, but uh, has, you know, runs gimmicky systems, not the greatest route runner. And also, kind of has trouble sometimes tracking the ball, obviously not in the Bama game, but there's other games that Hedden Hooker put the ball kind of right where it needed to be. And Hyatt, it just kind of lost it in the sun. It seems like he might have a little problem tracking the ball, but uh, Christian Watson fixed that during this season. So maybe Hyatt can do the same. I don't, I don't hate him in your top five either. I, I, I just, I think that gimmicky, gimmicky offense. And also I think 
uh, I got, he was kind of hyped to run real fast, the combine. And he, he, he wasn't, he wasn't even the fastest receiver. I think that kind of soured me on him a little bit, not soured me enough to, you know, turn away from him as a, as one of the top guys in this class, but just kind of, kind of put a little stain taste in my mouth. Gotcha. But other than that, you know, I probably kind of a general consensus, at least of the, of the overall top four, um, for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think that's kind of the general consensus for everybody. Um, you know, with this draft class, it's not, you know, as stacked as some previous draft classes that we've yeah. seen, but still good quality talent. But I think the majority of the quality talent is going to come in, you know, rounds three, four and five um, kind of players that no one's really high on. That's going to come out and kind of be be successful. I think there's a big clump of them there that are going to be around that area where it's, they're pretty much the same as far as, you know, where I would take them. Yeah, um, they're kind of clumped together and haven't really, you know, separated themselves, you know, either, you know, sooner in the draft or later in the draft. So it's just going to be one of those things where they're just going to take advantage of the opportunity and, and hope to ball out. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Well, let's go ahead and go on to a wide receiver's counterpart here, half offensive lineman, half wide receiver. In the NFL, it's more of a kind of a, a, a fourth wide receiver options most yeah. times, but the tight end position. So go ahead and give us your, your tight end rankings here. All right, I've got my number one as Dalton Kincaid. Then I've got number two as my man, Sam Laporta. Number three is Michael Mayers. Number four is Luke Musgraves. And coming in at number five is Darnell Washington. Okay, yeah. So we have the, the same players here, just in a different I, position. I figured. Um, so I have Michael Myers as, as or Mayers <laughs> as yeah. my number one. I've got Dalton Kincaid as number two. Then I have Darnell Washington at three, Sam okay. Laporta at four. And Luke Musgrave at five. Okay. And so my reason for having Michael there at first is I just I have eyes. I watched I watched Notre Dame play this season and he was phenomenal. Um, I like Kincaid a lot, but I just you know as far as the eye test goes, to me Michael Mayer played a lot better and has more potential. Yeah. So I, I'm not mad at Kincaid. You know, if he was to go first in the draft, you know, at the tight end position or over that, I'm not mad about it. But for me, you know, if I'm looking at it, I just I test first and, and Michael Mayer passes yeah. the I test for me 110%. I, I agree. I have, I have uh, Kincaid, Laporta and Mayer all as a second round, kind of that clump right there. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys kind of move up and down and go, I like Mayer a lot. I just Kincaid kind of a, kind of a sneaky athlete, you know, that's what they call all, all the guys that come out, right? The sneaky athlete. He, I think he's the closest thing that we've seen to a, a true receiving threat, kind of like a uh, Kelsey or a Kit, uh, not Kittle, Kelsey or uh, Pitts that can actually, actually block, right? You know, the Kittle's got that. Kittle's kind of a unicorn. He's built that, you know, built like an offensive lineman that runs. Kincaid's not. He's kind of a, kind of a thinner guy, kind of a wide receiver, but he also has that blocking prowess. And I think he's just a little bit more of a receiving threat than Mayer. Yeah, and then for me, um, having Darnell Washington there kind of at three is just honestly just coming off of kind of his his combine performance. Um, I usually aren't. I'm usually not swayed too much by a combine performance because I don't value that as as much as looking yeah. at a full season. Um, but when you look at Darnell Washington, it's hard. And I know we kind of talked about this when we kind of gave our combine review, but but it's hard whenever you're not even the best player at your position on your team. And so I think that's something that affected. You know, Darnell Washington is having to be behind Brock Bowers and Bowers balling out every single game. And yeah. we didn't get to see as much of Darnell Washington as as we could have, as maybe we would have liked. 
And so it was important for him to have a, a strong combine where he was able to kind of showcase off his skills and talents. And he did that. He did that on a sled and he did that as a receiver when he made probably the most, most athletic catch um, at the combine. So being able to put on those skills where you're just focused on him specifically, I think was important. And it kind of made me go back and watch him and watch his film a little bit differently by saying, man, I saw what this guy can do. Let me go ahead and look at this more. And with the limited opportunities that he had, you know, I think he shows, you know, his potential for sure that he can have, you know, as a, as a talented tight end, you know, in, in the NFL. Yeah, no, I agree. I Dar- Darnell Washington has six, six, seven frame, you know, he's huge. He can catch. He showed that kind of, kind of at the combine, kind of like what you talked about when, you know, when uh, Georgia ever ran an offensive move with a, with a uh, tight end, they always use Brock Bowers because that guy's a stud. So Darnell didn't really get to show off his hands or his elite rack ability in college much, but at the combine, he definitely did. And I, uh, you know, I, I, not mad at any of those, you know, those are the five guys, you know, I'll be interesting to see how they play out. And I think all, all five of them are, are pretty good athletes. Like we've said multiple times, you know, go look at our mock, mock draft videos. You know, this is a deep tight end class. There's some guys that we, you know, not in our top five that are, that are going to ball out this year as well. So I'm really excited about this tight end class. Yeah. I mean, this is the best tight end class I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, obviously, you know, since I started really following the draft, but still it's, it's t- you, tight ends are, are weird. They're never really, I don't know. There was a one where it was uh, with Hawkinson and Kittle or not Kittle. It was Hawkinson and Fant. Um, Fant. Yeah. Fant, you know, that was kind of another, you know, deeper kind of um, tight end class yep. but, um, out of, out of uh, tight end university, but um, absolutely. Holler at Fant. Shout out Fant. Can, can follow in. If Sam Laporta can follow in their shoes, but let's go ahead and move on to the offensive line, specifically the tackle. So I'll Absolutely. go ahead and give you what I got here. So I've got Paris Johnson as my number one. Then I have Peter Skoronsky, Dewan Jones, Darnell Wright, and then Broderick Jones at number five. Oh, Darnell Wright. Okay. So I've got, I've got a, uh, my five is uh, Paris Johnson Jr., then I've got Anton Harrison from Oklahoma at two, Peter Skronsky at three, Broderick Jones at four, and Dewan Jones at five. And I have a first-round grade on all five of those guys. I think this is a very top-heavy tackle class, right? I like Duncan, and we talk, you know, kind of talked about that. But those five guys I could see all going in the, in the first and deserving. So I really like them. The Darnell Wright, huh? Let's talk about him a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, I just I – just, um... So I didn't watch too much Tennessee. I mean, I won't lie. I didn't watch too much Tennessee. Obviously, I liked, you know, what, what Hooker and Hyatt was doing. So I watched them, you know, most towards the end of the year when, you know, it was like looking they were going to make a playoff push. I focused on them a little bit more um, to kind of see that. Um, but I had actually seen a mock, actually. This is what drew me to Darnell Wright because I seen a mock to the Chiefs. And so I thought, well, let me, you know, if someone's mocking him here to my team, let me go ahead and take a look because I really hadn't paid attention to him really at all. And then when I started kind of watching it and kind of watched what he was doing, I was like, oh, dang, I actually I actually really like this guy. And so I really like what 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 I was seeing out of him. And so he didn't he didn't give up any sacks at all. And he has experience on both sides, so a left tackle and a right tackle. So he's going to be able to come in and play either side of the ball, I think, effectively. Um, and so maybe that is why he was mocked to the Chiefs because we're kind of, possibly in that limbo right of left tackle versus right tackle yeah. um but um 
and so, yeah, so I just think he, he's very physical. He gets to the point of attack very quick and just looking, kind of looking at, at that play. Uh, I think he's, he's definitely in my top five for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I must, I have, I'll have to go and do, I haven't watched, like I said, you know, I watched the Bama game at Tennessee and then a little bit towards the end when they, you know, when I thought they were going to match up with Georgia and they, they faltered that. But uh, so I have to go back and kind of study him a little bit, see where I rank him. You know, I, you know, I haven't, he really hasn't been on my radar, I guess. So I have to go back and kind of, kind of conform an opinion about him. Yeah, well, go go check it out. I think I think you'll like, it. especially especially in the run game. He's a mauler when they're running okay. the football. So definitely definitely focus on that when you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. uh, I think we had both the both the tackles for Ohio State in our top five, right? You had both Paris and Dewand. Yes. Yes. As well. Yeah. Um, I know I agree. Take us a little bit, walk us through a little bit, kind of what, what you were thinking. I can give you my thoughts after. Absolutely. So I think Paris Johnson was my number one anyway, and then he balled out at the pro day. I mean, even CJ Stout, you know, stopped throwing and looked over and said, Hey, you know, this guy moves like a tight end. Where's that been? Right. Anytime you get your quarterback that's played with you, you know, for your career to, to be like, Whoa, this guy's a freak. That's kind of, you know, helpful. And then Dewan, right. He ran, ran at the combine, he was one of the only, you know, top consensus tackle run at the combine. He's huge. I mean, just a huge man. And he ran like a, I think in in the fives, maybe high fives, but still in the fives. That's insane. Like I, I, I just think this guy is a very mobile guy. I think he had the bad luck of playing left tackle because there's a, a generational cornerstone left tackle in Paris Johnson. So he had to play right tackle. I know a lot, you know, not, not a lot of uh, teams looking for ta- uh, tackles are in the chiefs position where they could go right tackle. A lot of times when you draft the tackle in the first, you're looking for your blindside blocker left tackle, but uh, I really like him. And I think he could probably make that transition to left tackle if he needed to kind of like Orlando Brown did and Ron Stanley and, and, and such like that. But uh yeah, I'm, I'm really, really like him. And just because, again, he's huge and he can move, right? That's that's what I want. I want a big, muscular, I, mean, I don't know how much muscular is, but a big, strong offensive tackle that moves. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think, um, I, th- I think, you know, playing at Ohio State is one of the college programs outside of Bama that really gets you ready for for the next level for sure. And so yeah. having that experience, you know, with those two tackles coming up there, I think they're, yeah, I mean, they're both in our top five for, for a reason. So I definitely think that they'll be, they'll be successful. So I uh, definitely like those picks there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to inside offensive linemen. And I did this, I counted, yeah, I counted centers as inside offensive linemen. I didn't want to watch, you know, five film of centers and five film of guards. I don't know if you did the same, Garrett. I did the same, yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yep, yep. all right. And I'll go through my number ones. And just like I said, I don't have any of these guys ranked as a first rounder. But I think, of course, some of them might, might jump up there. But I've got Osiris Torrance as number one. Then I've got my first center, Luke Whipler. Then I've got Steve Avila, Avila from TCU. Got Joe Titman as four, and number five is Andrew Voorhees from USC. Mm, okay, um, yeah. So I mean, I pretty much have you know the same players except um, Andrew Voorhees. I, I didn't include him just because you know his injury, unfortunately. Um, yeah. That t- I mean, it's just I kind of took him out. He definitely would have been up there. I think he's definitely top five, but just to do his injury, I've kind of taken him out because you know he's not going to be able to play this first season. So I've kind of exactly. 
Uh, you know, just forgot about him, to be honest. Sorry. Sorry, Warriors. <laughs> Hope you get better soon. But um, so I have Osiris Torrance as one. John Michael Schmitz at two. Okay. Luke Whipler at three. Joe Tippman at four. And Steve Avila at five. And honestly, for me, I won't lie. Honestly, for me, raking these people, it was, it was kind of a struggle to put, you know, someone ahead of somebody else because I, I think there's a very good group of, of center classes there when you look at Schmitz, Whippler, and Tittman. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was just kind of what I, I just had to have put down and rank them. And so I just found some, you know, nitpicky things to help me with my rankings and kind of where I've fallen. But, um, I definitely think Osiris Torrance is, is a first round talent. Uh, I think he'll definitely go there because there's not a lot of, um, interior offensive linemen, um, or there's not a lot of. Um, interior offensive linemen that are are better than him, and so there are some teams that need that guard center combo, and Torrance can play both, and so I think yeah. that would be you know it's going to be beneficial for some team. Maybe it's going to be the Eagles at ten, looking for you know a replacement for their guard Isaac Silmoto, who left to the Steelers, get in there a guard, potential replacement for Kelsey, and you know is definitely a team that I'm looking at. at, at for him, for Torrance there at that, at that position. So interesting to see where he goes. But I think as far as interior, interior lineman, I think Torrance would probably be the only first round grade I'd have. Yeah. Yeah. He's the only one that I expect to go first round, but I just, I, I don't think it's a successful strategy to build through the inside line. And I, you know, if, if it happens, you know, I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong, I'm glad to do that. But uh, you're telling me that the Colts wouldn't be better if they would have picked a quarterback over Quentin Nelson at when they picked him what four or five so I until it happens I I uh, you know I'm standing on my on my thing but uh Tor I do expect Torrance to be a first round guy I don't have you know I only have 24 first round grades so there's going to be some second round guys sneak up into the first round so yep and uh is. yeah and and honestly with the infants in offense inside offensive line and that's a tongue twister you know there's it's it, it's it's kind of boring to scout right i mean i do my due diligence but i didn't scout a ton of them right i i think it's uh besides center i think center is kind of a position that we talked about kind of fell behind right the, all the glory goes to the tackles but the guards man i i think guards might be the the most replaceable most easy position to fill on a football team so don't do a lot of scouting there but that's just my personal opinion it might be wrong who knows i mean it's clearly wrong because it's your personal opinion so <laughs> shots <laughs> yes so um that obviously you know wraps up the offensive side of the ball minus the quarterbacks we will quarterbacks. finish up with the quarterbacks so make sure you you check that out as well um so let's go ahead and move on to the defensive side of the ball the guys that are tasked with sacking the quarterback so the edge rushers chase go ahead and give me your top edge five. rushers all right i've got my number one guy will anderson jr number two i have lucas van ness Number three, I have Tyree Wilson. Number four, I have Nolan Smith. And number five, I have Will McDonald the fifth. Interesting. I always read that as the fourth. Oh, I think it is. I might have wrote uh, it down wrong. It? Oh, okay. I don't know. Roman numerals, whatever. But uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, awesome. <laughs> cool. So pretty, pretty similar here. Um, for me, I've got Will Anderson Jr. at one. Tyree Wilson at two. Lucas Van Ness at three, Nolan Smith at four, and Miles Murphy at five. Okay. 
Will McDonald just misses that here on the top five in my top five rankings. But um, so walk us through. So you put um, obviously we have pretty much the the same, right? Um, except yeah. um, I have Miles Murphy and you have Will McDonald. So Will talk McDonald. to me a little bit about um, Will McDonald there. Absolutely. I consider putting Miles Murphy in, and the more I looked into him, I just think Will McDonald has a little higher motor, a little faster, right? I think Miles Murphy benefited from having a, uh, a pre- an offensive or a, not an offensive, an elite presence in the middle of the of the uh, defense, and the guy that we'll talk about probably later down. But uh, I think Will McDonald was kind of the the guy for Iowa State, right? I liked his production, and I and I wasn't. Uh, they're they're very close to me. I just thought, you know, I like speed. Right, it's not the most important thing for a defensive lineman, but when whoever can get off the ball first, you can get that jump on that offensive tackle coming out off the edge. So I think Will McDonald has that that speed over there, just a, just a little bit more than Murphy did. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I just kind of looked at at kind of just um, production wise when I look at edge rushers. Um, you'll hear this a lot when we do our mock drafts, but I look at how, how many sacks and how many pressures you have. And so it's I was looking at that, looking at comparing the two. Miles Murphy just, um, you know, he has more, more, um, you know, when you have combined the, the, the hurries and the sacks, he just has more. So for me, trying to balance that out of, you know, who to put in five and who to be six, Will McDonald would be my six. So he just, you know, just on the outside there. Yeah. But, um, and so that's kind of what gave Murphy the nudge for me um, over is just a little bit more production as an edge defender. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I, I figured that I you know I was looking at Miles Murphy. He had the the more you know box stats. You know that's not you know a lot of people use that as a knock, right? Box stats. You no, know, they they do matter. You know, and and I I just think I don't know. I'm, I might be an Iowa homer. You know, putting Will McDonald over there, Murphy, but I think they are about the same. You know, kind of kind of you know very very you know pin clip size difference between the two. I just give McDonald the edge on mine. Yeah, I like it. So let's go ahead and go on to the inside then with some defensive tackles. So I'll go ahead and give you mine here real quick, and then I can hear yours. So I've got Jalen Carter at one, and then I have Brian Brees at two, Kalija Kansi at three, Mozzie Smith at four, and Keanu Benton at five. All right, Mozzie Smith. So I've got... This one might we might we might have some some discussion here, but I've got my number one obviously Jalen Carter. My number two is Brian Breezy. My number three is Gia Ika from Baylor. Number four is Kalisha Kansi, and then number five is Keanu Benton. I I I'm really really kind of big on Skia Ika. I don't know if that's yeah, how you so pronounce would... his first name. But... Yeah. So I I yeah I'm I'm interested in that because I just. Uh... I don't know. I'm just, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. I can't see yeah, it. I, so excited to to hear your kind of thoughts on it. Let me pull up his, but yeah, I thought, I thought he kind of, kind of was that defensive anchor for Baylor. I thought he, he won with a variety of moves and I'm excited about his uh, ability to both rush the passer and stop the run. Right. You know, I, you don't need, you know, kind of that's why Kalisha can see he might be the better pass rusher out of all of these guys besides Jalen Carter, but he, his run, you know, he's thin, you know, his run stop ability is not there. I really like Skia Ika and the, the ability to re- to stop the run. I think I view him as more of a DJ reader type player, right. Or kind of underrated his whole career, but he's, elite maybe not elite maybe great defensive tackle i don't know it's kind of one of my my bigger draft crushes is skia ika ika from uh baylor gotcha yeah no i I get draft coaches but 
Um, I don't know. I'm just comparing him with with Collegiate Cansey. I don't know if I don't know how you can do that when you look at the stats that they had last week. Collegiate Cansey just had a way better, way better season. I mean, uh, it's just. Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't think when you're when looking at interior defensive linemen, I don't think sacks matter as much as the edge defenders. Yeah. But um, just the amount of of pressures, like hurries that he got with you know Sakia and zero sacks you know, 14, I think, or 13 hurries, like pressures in there. Didn't really seem to to really affect the quarterback that much. And I was looking at him and looking at those numbers compared to like Kalija Kansi, who had a lot yeah. of numbers, you know, a lot of job affected the quarterback. So I respect the draft crush, but uh, definitely that might be the, the one we're, we're the farthest apart on so far. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I think so. I, I don't know. I just, I think he is one of those players that I, as I look at him, he's got all the right traits, and I think he's a guy that will perform better in in, in NFL. You know, kind of the the guy. Uh, you know, if it was a quarterback, they call him projects, right? I don't think he's a project, but I just think he's a guy kind of like GJ Reader or uh, kind of a different version of Kenny Clark, right? Maybe not the best pass rusher, but has the ability to with his size, and he's just a run stopping machine in the middle of the field there. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, what's well, good? I'm glad we kind of finally got more of a kind of a discussion yeah. on that one because definitely, um, yeah, definitely, definitely couldn't be farther uh, from you <laughs> on that player. But that's the beauty of the draft. Everyone kind of has their draft crushes and the people that, that they're high on. And yeah. obviously sometimes it works out um, and then sometimes, you know, it doesn't. So it'll be interesting, you know, to track his history as we look back on this and see, you know, in the yeah. end you know, who, you know, who kind of had the right take on it. So, so that's, that's why we love the draft to see if we were right. Exactly. We exactly. All right. You want to talk about Maisie, Maisie Smith a little bit or because uh, I, I almost put him in as over Keanu Benton, but he didn't get the, didn't get the nod for me. Um, I mean, yeah, I could, I could talk about Maisie Smith. I'm not, I'm not a, like a too much here. I don't, um, you know, when I just was kind of looking at him, I was just looking at, you know, somebody who can affect the, affect the pass, you know, um, the quarterback. And so when I was looking at that, I just saw, you know, thought somebody I saw flash as a talent there, but not somebody super consistent all season, but flash as a talent where I think that, you know, once you can kind of get in a system and get comfortable with it, with the proper pieces around you, you know, maybe you're not the main guy on the defense, like he kind of was with, with the, with Michigan. And so, you know, to be successful and kind of put some pressure on the quarterback. So um, not not too high on him, um, but I, I think he, you know, he has a shot at, at being successful in the league. So that's, you know, that's kind of where I was getting my thoughts with, with Maisie Smith there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like I said, he, I almost, he'd be my sixth man off. I just gave the, the you know, because of, of the, uh, the flashes kind of, I'm going to steal your word there, but the flashes and the ability that I, uh, that I think I see in, in Ica, he got bounced to six, so. Going on to linebackers, another position that I'm not a fan of drafting in the first, but I also think this isn't a very good linebacker class. I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if you're in love with this linebacker class, but this is where I have my lowest rankings out of my top five. When I put them in, into the, the round that I think they're talent-wise, I dipped down into like almost the fifth to sixth round with my last guy, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm interested me, to see. Yeah, for me, the linebackers are one of the hardest, just for me, one of the hardest positions to kind of rank and and lock because it's, it's, I mean, it's hard because there's a lot of that encompasses, you know, the linebacker. They have to do everything, right? So they rush the passer, they stop the run, 
they drop into coverage. They, they do, you know, they, 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 they do everything, you know, um, on the defense. So it's, it's a very tough position to play. And for me personally, it's a very tough position to kind of analyze and, and scout. Um, yeah. Trying to base everything off of what all that they have to do. So it, yeah, definitely interesting here. So um, definitely, you know, that's keep in mind that when I say, you know, this is definitely a position that I struggle. I'm completely hundred percent open yeah. about that. So my, my least confident rankings would probably be the linebackers that I, that I have here. Yeah. And you know, I, I tend to uh, judge a linebacker more on his coverage ability. Right. I, uh, Blake, we, we, we talked about it in the past, Blake Martinez burned me as, you know, the Packers fans wanted to sign him to a deal. And this guy couldn't cover the slowest wide receiver in the league, but he could tackle like a machine, right? I want a guy that can, that can drop back into coverage to stop a pass when this is a pass heavy league, but you're right. This is a, you know, we have tons of linebacker. Like we just, Green Bay just drafted Quay Walker, who's an excellent pass rush, right? Kind of struggles on the, on the run. And then they have Devondre Campbell, who is kind of the opposite of that, more of a run stopping linebacker. So it's, interesting that the you know the linebackers uh, position that's asked to do almost everything on the defense so it it is a uh an interesting this is i think the rankings you know the consensus consensus rankings kind of mix up a little bit right there's never a a, this is the guy that you have to pick linebacker because they're they're pulled all over the field so i'll give you my top five after that i'm number one i'm going with my man captain jack campbell and then number two we're doing drew sanders Number three is Trenton Simpson. Number four is Dorian Williams. And number five, I have Ivan Pace Jr. Oh, really? Interesting. Interesting. Okay, yeah, so I'll go ahead and give you mine here. Um, So at number one, I have Drew Sanders. At two, I have Jack Campbell. At three, I have um, Trenton Simpson. At four, I have Dan Henley. And at five, I have Dorian Williams. Yeah. Okay. So, so general consensus there. Um, not too crazy. I'll tell you the reason why I have Drew Sanders at number one. And I just I just think he, out of the linebacker class, just has the highest football IQ. Um, for my linebacker, I just need you to be smart. You're going to be where the dot. Exactly. You're going to be calling the defensive plays, and so I just I need you to be smart. And I need you to be able to get people in position um, on the defense. And so if you're going to you know have that high football and IQ to understand the system that you're in, understand coverages as well as alignment, understand situational football. And when we're looking at this draft class, Drew Sanders to me just has that highest football IQ. So um, that's why he's my number one. Yeah, and I understand that completely. That's another aspect that we didn't even touch when we talked about a tight, you know, a linebacker's kind of the quarterback of the defense, right? And I think uh, I went with Jack Campbell just because watching this guy play all season and sometimes live, this guy's all over the field. He he looks like he can do it all. He tested nuts at the combine. He's an athlete. He can tackle. He can drop into coverage. He can rush the passer. He's got a motor that won't stop. I you know, and I think that might just because that's the linebacker that I've quote unquote scouted slash watch the most. I think I have the the most draw to him. But another guy that I I kind of kind of like we talked about in our in our, in our past mocks is number four. Dor- at, I have it four is Dorian Williams. I really like him. I think he's got potential to kind of come in. You know, late or late maybe early day two or late day two, early day three guy. I really like Dorian Williams. I think he's got the potential to stop the run and to drop in the coverage, maybe rush the passer, kind of do what's asked of him. 
Yeah, he has both. I mean, his coverage grade specifically is phenomenal. I mean, he yeah. he can he can cover. You know, he can play coverage extremely well. And so, you know, obviously that's definitely you know important here in the NFL. Um, so it'll be interesting to see you know if he can translate that. But I think overall, you know, very well rounded. But his coverage grade is, is a lot higher than most at the linebacker spot. So I, I like that yeah. pick there. And like you know, he's in our top five. You know, for both of us. So for sure. So. Um, I don't want to do cornerbacks yet. I think cornerbacks are, are my favorite part of the defense here. So let's go ahead and fin- let's do safeties here real quick. Um, and then we can finish with cornerbacks. So let's go ahead and Jason, want to go ahead and give me your, your top five safeties here. Yeah. Yeah. So I have number one, I have Brian Branch. I think he's the consensus. Number one, a first round draft grade. Number two, I have Antonio Johnson. Number three, I have Jamie Robinson. Number four, I have Brian Branch's running buddy and Jordan Battle. And then number five, I finished with old Sidney Brown. So... I have the exact same. Okay. That's what I figured. Those, the, I, I think safety, believe it or not, I think safety might be one of the easier positions to scout, at least for me. And, uh, I, you know, safety is kind of my, my favorite defensive position. I don't know really why green Bay's really never had a stud safety since I've been uh, a fan of them, but I, I just, I tend to draw myself towards the safeties of the league. So I think that's, I spend a little extra time ranking them and it's nice to see that we have the same top five. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it pretty, so the safety draft, I think, you know, the safety class, I think is pretty straightforward. Um, like I said, I think it's one of the more easier ones to do. Um, I mean, not a lot of discussion, right? When we have, when we no. have the same ones, I mean, I think yeah. Brian Branch is, is probably a head and shoulders above, above the rest. I really love Branch. Uh, I think he's going to be a day one starter and, um, Early, you know, my early take is he'll be defensive player of the year. I think it's hard for a safety to win defensive player of the year. Yeah. But my early, you know, my early kind of, you know, calling my shot here now, as of right now, is obviously it'll depend on kind of where he does go in the draft, um, you know, as well. But my early kind of hot take is he'll be defensive player of the year as a safety. I like it. Hot takes out the gate. And I really like, I have a first round grade on him. And I also have a first round grade on Antonio Johnson. I really like him. He's a hard hitting safety. I like my safeties to be able to lower the boom, right? To, to get the guy that, you know, get him kind of scared of running through that middle of the field. I think Antonio Johnson does that. And he's also an athlete, right? I, I think there's a common theme, right? I want the best athletes playing football, right? So I really like Antonio Johnson, but of course, Brian, you know, I agree with you. Brian Branch is, is a head, is a head and shoulders above everyone else. Like we actually we mocked him to your Packers, so if you remember that. Yes, so, yes, um, yes. Go watch that. That's fun. Depot coming to Green Bay. <laughs> okay, let's get down to the cornerback. So my favorite position on the defensive side of the ball. So this is the one where I think we might have some some a little you know Dude, different. Already, already. Um, so let me go ahead and give you mine, and I'll go ahead and get yours, and we can go ahead and discuss. So. Um, Number one, Devin Witherspoon. Number two, Christian Gonzalez. Three is Joey Porter Jr. Four, Emmanuel Forbes. And five, Deontay Banks. Okay. So we have we have some of the same guy. We change a little bit to the end. We have a little different positioning. My my guys are one is Christian Gonzalez. Two is Devon Witherspoon. Three is still Joey Porter Jr. Number four is Deontay Banks. And number five is Cam Smith. Okay, so no Forbes. No Forbes. Forbes just Forbes would be my six. Gotcha. Yeah, so I have Smith uh, as my six. So okay. um, let me go ahead and give you give you my thoughts here. So um, 
I was high on Devin Witherspoon all year. Through the combine and the pro day, I really fell in love with Christian Gonzalez. It was very tough for me to put him number two, but when I just kept looking at it, I just could get an over the fact that Devin Witherspoon only allowed a passer rating of 25.3 when targeted yeah. and only allowed 35.5% completion rate. And so yeah. when I was when I was just looking at that, like that just stuck in my head. I just as much as I wanted to put Christian as number one there, I just I just couldn't get away with that. That whenever you know Devin was targeted, he did not allow them to complete the pass. And so for me, that's in the end, that's what kind of sealed um, Devin up there as as my number one corner. Yeah, yeah. So I I uh, I was high on Christian Gonzalez all year watching, you know, Big Ten guy watching a lot of Illinois. This Devon Witherspoon was just nuts. Uh, go back to scout him. And I think the first game I picked was his Wisconsin, I believe he played. And that happened to be his worst game maybe of his career. He looked pretty, he looked lost out there. And I can't hold him against him one, uh, you know, one game because I watched other games. And this guy's, you know, he's the real deal and he's hard hitting. I just think Christian Gonzalez, you know, is more of a, a ball hawking a little bit more than than Devon Witherspoon. Devon Witherspoon's kind of a run help say, uh, cornerback, which is not a, not a knock on either one of those two guys, right? I like them both, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get flipped in the draft, right? Witherspoon starts gaining steam. Witherspoon, I just hope. Uh, I think Witherspoon fits into a very unique defense that uses safeties more in a press and you know wants to be down in the receiver's face. And there's a lot of teams that do that, but I think Gonzalez could you can plug him in kind of on most teams, on all teams actually, and he he'd be a a, a absolute stud i think the uh the big one right deontay banks is you know i talked about him in our combine risers he kind of jumped out two big 10 guys three big 10 guys joey porter we have it three joey porter i think it's self-explanatory his very long arms reach and his ability to keep up with the wide receivers on almost every break and number five i have cam smith you know that's kind of where we differ we you know you've got forbes i've got cam smith forbes definitely the more ball hawking interception ready safety kind of the trayvon Diggs type but uh cam smith going against my normal draft strategies of just getting athletes. I think Cam Smith just plays the game, right? Not the most athletic, still kind of speedy, ran like a four five, maybe four, four, four in between there. But uh, I think he just does everything right. Right. I think he's just the guy that can come in and be maybe not the number one anytime soon. Maybe needs a couple of years to develop into that, but he can definitely be the number two guy. And I have a first round grade on all five of my cornerbacks. I really like this cornerback class. Yeah, extremely, extremely deep cornerback class. I have a round one on everyone, actually, except for Cam Smith. I think he's, he's a round two, um, a round two guy. But um, for me, with the, with the Forbes, is um, obviously the ball hawking things. I mean, he has an NFL or a college record of six career pick sixes. Um, so not only is he getting interceptions, but he's turning it into points. Yeah. Um, and just and just the ball hawk, obviously, kind of like you mentioned with Trevon Diggs, but also a guy that's not giving up a lot. I mean, he only gave up you know a completion percentage of 53 um, percent so he's, he's you know when we talked about Trevon Diggs yes he was a ball hawk but he was also giving up a lot of yardage because he was so aggressive um, whereas with Forbes here yes. he's going to be aggressive but he's also going to make the play on the ball if he knows he's not going to be able to get the pick um, and so he's able to kind of pull it back and you know make the play and get the PBU to, to do that and so so for me having having the smarts to be able to to be aggressive enough to go and get the pick, um, most times get it, but also recognize when you're not going to be able to get it, instead of leaving your team out to dry, your safety have to come in behind you to clean up your mess. You can be smart and pull up and just make the play on the ball or tackle or tackle the receiver. So that's for me, kind of yeah. why Forbes is up there over over Cam Smith. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, we just kind of switch on those two because I've got a high second round grade on Forbes, but I'm not mad that he's in your top five. I think he is, he is a baller. Like we both said that this cornerback class is deep and I think they're pretty good. I think this is probably one of the better cornerback classes I've seen coming into a draft now for, unless you have any, any more comments on the, our cornerbacks. I don't, I think it's time we get. All right. It's the most important position in football, baby. Drum roll. The mainstay. Chase, hit me with your top five quarterbacks. All right. Number one, Anthony Richardson from Florida. (laughs) Number two, CJ Stout. Number three, Bryce Young. Number four, Will Levis. And number five, Dorian Thompson Robinson, DTR from UCLA. Really? Oh, this is going to be fun. Okay, here's mine. Bryce Young at number one. CJ Stroud at number two, Hendon Hooker at number three, Anthony Richardson at four, Stetson Bennett. Okay. Coming in with perfect with a lot. Glad we saved this for last. And so let me, let me preface this. I, I think there is a huge gap for me. In between number one and two. So for me, right, between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, to me, are 1A or 1B. I like Young better, so he's, you know, my 1A. And then between number two and number three, I think there's just a huge gap. And obviously that gap gets even bigger when you go from three to four to four to five. So these are definitely not as close as some of these other positions. You know, when we're talking about cornerback or safety or linebacker, to me, Yes, it's a top five because you have to have five, but it is, for me, not a close top five. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I have a, 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 the same gap, but I've got it a little different. I've got, you know, the top three, I think there's a big gap there. I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three guys. Then I think, uh, Will Levis is still, I still have a first round grade on him, but he is a, uh, a tier on his own. And then I think there's a huge gap. I mean, a huge gap between him and why it drops from, from I have first round grade on all of my four guys all the way down to a fifth to sixth round grade on DTR. So I think there's a huge gap there, but let's, let's talk, start out. Let's start out agreeing. Let's talk about, we have the same number two guy, right? CJ Stout. You know, there's not a ton to talk about, but he's accurate. He's pro ready. He's the, the model build that you want, right? He's, I think he's our consensus number one pick, right? If you're the Panthers, yep. you'd be pulling the trigger. So uh, let's go on. We, uh, we, we've got, my number three, your number one, Bryce Young. Let's touch on him real fast. Yeah, so I mean, obviously the concern is is his size, you know, you know his weight and you know his height and things like that. If he's going to be able to, you know, play at the level, take the punishment. We've seen some smaller guys come into the league, you know, not have success. He's kind of compared to Drew Brees, but I just think that's, you know, in, in this case, I just I think it's hogwash. I just throw it out the window. I said, if you can ball, you can ball, and Bryce Young can ball. Okay. Yeah. He. Obviously, you know, Heisen winner, and you look at, at this past year when he was really, I mean, well, Alabama's had some of the best wide receivers in college football for the past three or four years, except for this year. So to look what he was able to do, where it took a miracle um, field goal against Tennessee to lose, and then a miracle two-point conversion against LSE to lose, that knocked him out, you know, with the only two losses. So he played extremely well. I just love how he creates plays out of the pocket. He's able to run and keep his eyes downfield. He's accurate with the football as well. Just a playmaker. Um, I, I love watching him. And, and, and I've said this before where I, you know, I'm just I'm in love with Young. If, 
if if I if I could pick him as my quarterback, you know, if I needed a quarterback in this draft, I, I would pick Young. Yeah, yeah, and I and you know, like I said, I you know, I have him at QB three. I still have a top five draft grade on him. I'm not low on Young at all. I just think I, I like CJ more because he's more pro style. My main concern is we talk, talked about it is the size. And, you know, a lot of time when you hear size, we think height, right? He's small. Oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers fell in the draft because he was 6'2", and that was considered small back then. No, I'm talking about his weight, right? He weighed in at the combine at five at, or at two, I think 208 was his weight at the combine. That's not the playing weight. He's going to play more towards 190, 185. You look at the guys who weigh that, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson injured, Kyler Murray injured, Russell Wilson didn't really have injuries late until late in his career, but he was injured to start with, right? A lot of the the younger, you know, the, the small weight guys can't take the hits, right? These guys, and this is, uh, Bryce Young's going to go to a team, team, you know, who knows where he's going to go, but he's going to go early and early teams really don't often have that best offensive lineman. I think he's going to get hit a lot and I don't know if his body can hold up. I do think he's the best anticipatory thrower of this draft. I think he makes throws to, instead of to the receivers, to the areas where the receivers should be. I do think that, I think he's got a a pretty decent arm on him. I don't think it's like a Kyler Murray arm where the Kyler, you know, can throw that ball out of the stadium or anything like that, or Josh Allen arm. But I, I'm just worried about his body holding up to these NFL hits, right? He got, we've seen him get injured uh, this year playing at a college level. And yes, he's in the SEC. You know, it's, it just means more, right? That's their slogan. But the the NFL is just, a, you know, every team has these guys that are going to hit them hard. So that's where I I, I, uh, I worry a little bit about Young, but I wouldn't be mad if Young went number one. I, I see the value. I'm not blind, right? I see the value in him. So uh, which one of these guys do you want to you wanna tackle next? So I want to ask you about Anthony Richardson. Okay, so, let me talk. And, and so this one, you know, I know you give it to me straight. So before his combine, did you have him as number one? I did. Interesting. Okay. I did. The floor is yours. Go ahead. So. All right. So Anthony Richardson, right? He's the ideal project quarterback, right? When you think project quarterback, you think big, strong, strong arm, mobile guy, more mobile than Josh Allen, maybe not as strong an arm. And the thing is, is that the project quarterbacks normally, right? Zach Wilson, um, I'm trying to think, I can't blank on a project quarterback right now. Um, who is the guy Mahomes? Yeah. Mahomes was one, but he, but, uh, there's, there's not another guy that I'm just blanking on, but they struggle with pressure, right? This guy, you know, Anthony Richardson was the least sacked quarterback in this draft class. He, he, he doesn't, doesn't take sacks, right? He's not, he, he, he doesn't freak out where his project is. It's in his footwork, right? He's got that kind of Aaron Rodgers syndrome where his feet get pointed to the sidelines and he launches that boy down the field. And I think that's, that is one thing that you can teach a quarterback is footwork, right? We've, we've seen it done over and over again. Josh Allen had poor footwork. Brian DeBull worked with him. Um, I'm trying to think I had more examples. I should have wrote them down. I think that is his, his need is his mechanics, not, not necessarily his arm or top torso. He throws with, he throws with his body. Like you're supposed to, he doesn't just rely on his strong arm, but uh, his footwork gets a little twisted and he gets, uh, he, he gets a little outside of his body when he throws, but what I like a lot about him is the number one thing I look for a quarterback is how do you handle pressure, right? Pressure is going to come in the NFL, just like Mahomes, right? He won the Super Bowl. He pressured crazy. Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl, got sacked nine times in the Super Bowl, or in not the Super Bowl, the uh, what divisional round against the Titans. 
but I think Anthony Richardson can handle pressure. And I think if you got a guy like that, that can handle pressure, I think he's worth a shot. I think his potential's through the roof. Will he ever reach it? That's the fun of the draft. We don't know, but I, I really think that this guy could be the next best thing in the NFL. That's a take, my friend. That's a take. I just um, not saying it can't be successful, but you know, for me, I just, I mean, I have eyes. I have eyes. My eyes have seen. My eyes have seen the good. My eyes have seen the bad, and my eyes have seen a lot more bad than good. And so yeah. it's gonna be one of those things where I don't know. It's just I, 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 I couldn't get over it to where you're. You would actually honestly consider taking him over, you know, Young or Stroud. If he wants to be the third quarterback off the board, I think he he probably will be. Um, and I think you know, he will be too. That's fine or whatever. But uh, to rank him over over Stroud or Young, I, I just I, <laughs> I think you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I honestly think the draft will play out Stout one, Bryce Young two, and I think it should. I think those teams are are drafting for uh for now, right? They need that franchise guy. But I'm thinking about a team like the Vegas Raiders who ha- who can sit him, you know, sit him behind Jimmy, or uh, you know, I'm thinking about the team that can get him like the Bears did with Justin Fields, right? They can get him in throw him in kind of when he, when, when there's no expectations really on him, let him work with what he's got as he's getting better as a passer. Cause as, as electric as Justin Fields was last year, the dude struggled passing and that's same, same thing. He gets outside his body a little bit mobile, wants to jump on his feet, not plan his back foot as much. I think Anthony Richardson has the same thing, but I think he's a better athlete and he's got a stronger arm than Fields. I'm just, I I'm, I'm really interested to see. And like we've said a million times, it's about coaching. You know, if Anthony Richardson goes to a coach like uh, Adam Gase, I don't know, you know, someone who can't, you know, a QB whisperer that's not a QB whisperer, right, on smelling salts during the press conference, he's going to flame out of the league. But I think if you can get him with a young guy that knows, maybe even an old guy that knows what he's doing and knows how to how to how to work with a quarterback, right? He had a goofball quarterback at Florida. And then I think Dan Mullins was his quarterback. And then uh, the Oregon guy came over as the, the coach for Florida this year. And I can't even think of who, what his name is, but neither one of them was real Napier. big offensive guys. Napier. Thank you. Yeah. No, neither one of them was necessary quarterback whispers, right? I mean, Justin Fields or Justin Fields, Justin Herbert was phenomenal at Oregon, but he was, I mean, he's a phenomenal quarterback that wasn't Oregon shaping him. So I'm be interested to get him into an actual NFL, you know, study time, get him like a Jordan Palmer type guy, right? Jordan Palmer, the QB whisperer, get him something like that to work with him and get his feet. And I think that's his major thing. I think his accuracy comes down to his feet, not his decision-making. I, I mean, I just, I, I really think that the, that is the major flaw. And I think that's a very fixable flaw for someone that has a, has a ceiling out of the roof. Well, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. So something else here is interesting. So I know you have, you have Will Levis in your top five. I do not. So I definitely yes. want to touch on that. Um, I, you know, I see a lot of you know him. Probably the consistent ranking is probably QB4 in the draft class, I think, by a lot of people. I yeah. cannot stand Will Levis, and I will not touch him with a 12-foot pole. I want him nowhere near my team at all. I just – I. I do not see it. And when I look at a quarterback, I want to look at how you play the position. I don't care about your arm. I don't care how far you can throw the ball. That seems to be the only talking point when it comes to Will Levis. And I just, I don't get how you can be an NFL quarterback when you only have one thing that's talked about. Like, 
I don't even talk about Bryce Young. We talk about his athleticism, his accuracy, his, you know, his, his poise. Same thing with Stroud. You know, he's accurate. He's yeah. all these different things. Every other quarterback here has multiple things that people mention when they're talking about him. When it comes to Will Levis, the only thing I ever hear, the only thing I ever hear, even from him himself, the only thing I ever hear is that I had throw the ball a mile. That's yeah. the yeah, only so. thing. Yeah, let me let me give you why I still have him as a first round. So uh, I think his his release is insane. I think he's got one of the fastest releases I've ever seen. He gets that ball out fast, and I think that he, I, I contrary to what he played at this year, I think he's more accurate than he seems. But let me tell you the reason that that I'm not as high. I have a very late first round. I think the potential. I draft a lot on potential at quarterback. Maybe maybe that's a bad thing to do. But uh, where where he where he falters where his accuracy goes down where it doesn't matter how much is will levis has zero pocket presence literally has no idea what to do when that pocket collapse right when he has a little bit of pressure the dude just chucks the ball and sees how far he can go and normally that's right into the defender's hands that's where his accuracy drops that's where uh he gets into trouble this guy's pocket presence and uh just pressure pressure handling is is just it's insane it reminds me a lot of uh Oh uh, man, I just lost the name. Uh, the Ohio State's quarterback that drafted by the Redskins. Haskins. Or Haskins, yes. Reminds me a lot of Haskins. A little weaker arms, Haskins are better, but Haskins was a very uh cement footed, you know, pocket true pocket passer. And uh when when the pocket wasn't clean, Haskins just didn't know what to do. And that's what I see in Will Levis, except his release is amazing, right? That's what I kind of fall in love with. Yeah, his arm strong and the old adage, you can't coach arm strength, right? You can't make Drew Brees' arm any stronger than it is, right? So that's I understand some of the hype for his arm strength, but also like his release is insane. It reminds me of almost like Aaron Rodgers esque release. Not not his ability, but just the the time it takes him to leave that ball and where it leaves his hand. Just I, I that that's a thing of beauty. But I'm I'm not not as high as consensus are. I think Mel Kiper. I think that's Will Levis is Mel Kiper's QB one in this draft, which should show you that he's probably not going to be that good because Kiper hasn't been good in forever. But that's where I have Levis. I, I I like his release. I like his his arm strength. I think he's a little bit more accurate than people give credit for. A lot of people are comparing him to Zach Wilson for some reason. I don't really see any comparison to Zach Wilson to Will Levis. They're two completely different quarterbacks. But uh, I, I, I the the thing that scares me is the dude just crumbles under pressure. Yeah, and, and for me, a big thing for me when I'm looking at my who I want as a quarterback is I want to know how you are situationally, or you know how you're you know how you're 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 competing, and when I need you to step up and make a play to extend a drive or to score a touchdown to get the lead or something like that, I need you to at least make that play or give your you know your receiver or whatever a chance to make a play. Obviously if they drop or do something that's not on you, but you gave them the opportunity. And I watched time after time again just this season to where they lost games because of Levis. They did not win games because of him. They lost games because of him. And so for me it's just so hard for me to say, oh that's the guy I want as my quarterback whenever you're literally the reason why teams are losing games. And very, very winnable games too. I look back at how he performed against Tennessee. Tennessee had a terrible defense this year. He was not able to do anything against Tennessee. He had the chance at the end of the game to go, you know, just get a first down to win the game, and he couldn't do it. And it's just, I, I and so for me, I, that's just is what sticks stuck in my mind, and I just can't do it. When you when you lose games, 
because of yourself, um, I got to tick you off. So that's definitely why I don't have him here in, in my top five, and I would not touch him with the 12 foot full. Um, yeah, and I understand all that. I agree with most of it. Honestly, I agree yeah. with all of it. I just the I think his potential might be a little higher than some of the, again, I think this uh quarterback class is very top heavy and then drops off very 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 far. Yeah, so no, I I agree. I agree once you kind of get past I I'll give you 1 through 3. You know, the top three quarterbacks once yeah. you do there, it's it's very struggling. So that's why I want to talk about my Stetson Bennett pick here at, at pick number 5. Sure, and, sure. And I want to and I want to preface this because I was really looking at I was like I knew I can't put Will Levis in. Um, and some of these other quarterbacks, I just don't, you know, they're, you know, they're decent. They're all right. I'm not high on Stetson Bennett at all. I want to make that clear. I don't think he's going to be some first round talent. I don't think he's going to come in and be a savior of, of a team. I think he'll probably be a backup his, his, his entire career, maybe get a shot. You know, if the team he goes to their starting quarterback gets injured and, and do that. So the, why I say that is I preface this is because I find him very similar to Brock Purdy. And now it, it's it's very weird that we have a two-time national champion come in and he's not hyped up at all. Like, if could you like, I just can't think of, especially at the quarterback position. Like, I don't know if we've yeah. ever seen this before. Where and it's not just because you know. So he's good because of the talent around him. He plays up. He yes. plays good. He plays well. Um, but he, the 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 Georgia Bulldogs won, not because of him. In spite um, of they, him, yeah. He didn't lose because of him. So, I mean, he put them yeah. in, in positions to win games. He didn't put them in positions to lose games. And because of their defense and the playmakers around them, they were able to win games. It's very similar to how Brock Purdy was with the 49ers when he took when he took exactly. the over. He did not play them out of any games. He played well within the system, and he relied on his dynamic offensive weapons, good coaching, and a stellar defense to help propel him to the NFC Championship game, in which I think if he's healthy, they win that game. I agree. Um and so, and so for me, when I'm looking at that, Stetson Bennett to me, I think is the Brock Purdy of this draft. I don't think he's going to be Mr. Irrelevant. I think he'll probably go around, I would say around five, four or five, Ooh, okay. but, but, um, but just, we're looking at this and I just think it's, it's interesting. So we're looking at it like, um, you know, last year, um, could you imagine Brock Purdy had the success? So this is, these were the quarterbacks that were drafted last year. So we had Kenny Pickett. It was the only um, round one quarterback to the Steelers. You had Malik Willis to the Titans at round three, Sam Howell to the Commanders round five, Desmond Ritter, Falcons, round three, Matt Corral, Panthers, round three, Chris Olbuchan, Steelers, round seven, Bailey Zappi, Patriots, round four, Brock Purdy, um, 49ers, round seven, Mr. Relevant, and then Skylar Thompson, also round seven to the Dolphins. So a horrible, horrible quarterback class Yes, um, last year, 100%. Um, but you can't tell me after this past season that if you went back and, and did a redraft, that Brock Purdy would not be the first quarterback off the board. Yeah. And it's not even saying he's because he's actually the best quarterback of the group. He, he may not be. I think time will tell. Obviously, you know, we're just one season in. Um, but because he was put into a, into a system with great coaching, great offensive, great offensive weapons, and a great defense, he was able to play within that system, which is exactly what Stetson Bennett was asked to do in Georgia. I think obviously what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL. And so if he's in the right system, if he's in the right system, I think he could be, you know, a decent quarterback and, and play well within it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think Stetson Bennett, you know, th there's, there's some things that concern me about him, but he, again, he's not looked at, you know, if he was looked at as a, a, early day two guy or, or, you know, it's first round or even a third round guy, I would be, I'd be fighting that a little bit more, but for the value that you'll get, 
where he he'll be drafted at, I you know I can't complain, right? I mean, Stetson Bennett would probably make my top ten if I made one for quarterbacks. Again, this quarterback class we can't say it enough, and I think Stetson Bennett probably would have been my QB two following Matt Corral last year. So uh, you know I'm not not mad at that. You know I'm, I mean I'm not a big Stetson Bennett guy. I think he's got some uh, some arrogance issues, right? Turned down the Senior Bowl, didn't want it, you know. I mean, just just some some dumb things that he thought he didn't need to improve. Like it's like that he doesn't want to improve his own stock going into this draft. You know, it's not he. It, it's just weird. Something rubs me wrong about that. You know, you got some questions about this guy. Scouts want to see it, and then you're gonna say no. I, I'm too good for that. Like, come on, man. But uh, I'm interested actually to talk about your quarterback three. That's the guy that I am not a fan of, Mister Hendon Hooker. Hooker. Hendon Hooker. Ending hooker to the Vikings, baby. You hit it here first. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> Dude's 25, coming off an ACL and a gimmicky offense where he just, I mean, watching Tennessee, the Tennessee games I did watch, dude just stood straight, had no movement in the pocket, just stood straight up and launched the ball, hoping that his wide receivers would go get it. I am very low on Hendon Hooker. I think uh, the world is very low. Well, maybe not. I've seen that mock draft come out on, uh, I think NFL Network had it. I don't remember who actually put it out. But it had Hendon Hooker at number five to the Seahawks. Like, you got to be kidding me. This guy, this guy, you know, this is the, the, uh, equivalent to putting up stats equals getting drafted, not, not looking at anything below that. Right. Uh, as you prefest, you know, you have a huge gap already. So I'm not really talking about you more talking about those NFL guys, but Hennon hooker, you know, I think the, we talked about a little bit when we talked about Hyatt, that gimmicky offense, I think that affects him less as a wide receiver, right? He's still learning the routes. He's just not running them, but uh, Hennon hooker, right. He, he reads only like half of the field, every read his plays are designed for that has zero, you know, very little movement outside of designated QB runs or QB scrambles. No, no, you know, jumping on his feet or uh, bobbing like quarterbacks you see like Mahomes or Herbert do, right? I just, I am not a, a Hendon Hooker fan. And I, I just, I, 25 years old coming off an ACL. So he'll be 26 before he even gets to uh, experience any real NFL football. That's, I, I count me out. It's a, no, it's a tough selling point for sure. And, and, and I don't, you know, knock you or anybody else for thinking that, but, um, I just, I look at, at what he's able to do. I mean, if we're talking about here, uh, at least he had the second best passer rating behind CJ Stroud this past year. So when you talk about, you know, being able to, to play well, he, he played phenomenal well. I mean, he was, you know, a, a Heisman a candidate there at one point, kind of, you know, fell off down there at the stretch, obviously when he got hurt. Um, he was playing Tennessee into the, into the national playoffs. Um, obviously, you know, fell out when he kind of got hurt. Um, and they lost that second game, but definitely, definitely had a shot there at the end to, to make the playoffs. And I think maybe the story is a little bit different of him, but I agree. So, I mean, whenever he's back there in the pocket is clean, um, he's phenomenal. Um, but whenever the, the, that, the pocket starts to break down and he has to kind of scramble and stuff, uh, where, where Bryce Young kind of excels at that point, Hooker kind of goes the other way. So, so I'm with you on that one. I, you know, like we mentioned, there is a huge gap here in between. But um, as far as the other quarterbacks, I just I really liked I really like Ken Hooker. Um, he's one of the I wouldn't say he's he's a draft crush of mine, but when we're talking about these quarterbacks, just his ability to to throw the ball deep. Um, he had one of the highest deep grades of, of all quarterbacks this past season. Um, and so obviously the pocket's not going to be clean twenty four seven, so we definitely would have to work on on that scrambling. But I don't think he's going to come in and be a starter anytime soon. But I think he can add you know depth to to a position, and so. 
Um, yeah, so I, I like Inoka. Like I said, I think, um, you know, he saw the Vikings kind of take a chance on Kellen Mond out of A&M a couple years ago, and I think they, they probably look at Hannon Hooker as well. Um, because that, that kind of play style is kind of similar to, to Kirk Cousins, where Kirk isn't out there scrambling and running around, you know, very much. Um, and so neither is going to be hidden hooker, although hooker would be 10 times more um, athletic than, uh, um, than Kirk Cousins. But that's kind of yeah, my idea behind it is, is looking at, you know, just his, you know, he had a great completion percentage, almost 70%, had a great passer rating, um, second out of these top five, at least my top five guys. Um, and so just the ability to make plays when the pocket is clean shows, shows promise. Obviously the injury and age is a question for sure. Um, but you're still getting him on that five-year deal, um, to where, you know, might be able to make something happen. Um, and you know, we'll kind of see, but, um, I do, I do like him in hook. I enjoyed watching him in college and we'll see if that, you know, translates to the NFL at all. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. By the time it would be a sec, by the time you get your second contract for your quarterback, he'd be 30 years old. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so it's just, just for him for sure. But yeah, just briefly, I'm going to touch on my quarterback five. Cause I kind of, this is be my drafts. Again, I have him a fifth round grade on him, but this is my draft crush DTR from UCLA, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think he's got all right accuracy. He's elusive in the pocket. His, his deep ball. He actually had the highest velocity at the draft. He throws the ball the hardest, right? That's not even Will Levis, but I, I, I just, I, I, there's something about this kid. I never think, you know, I don't think he'll ever be a starter, but he could be a, uh, Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles type where he could come in and win games for you, right? When, you know, a Brian Fitzpatrick type that come in and win two out of three games for you. I just like, I like him as a uh, career backup and just a, a good guy to have on your roster, right? I just, I, I'm kind of, kind of crushing on DTR to be honest for, for no reason really, but. <laughs> no reason. Well, that's good. Well, folks, that wraps up our official 2023 draft rankings <laughs> by position. So, Definitely um, looks like for the most part we were in agreement, obviously differed in, in some positions, especially the quarterback um, position. Nice. So definitely that's why I wanted to save it last. But let us know here in the comments, you know, kind of what your draft positioning is, your kind of rankings. We love to kind of see what you guys are thinking. Definitely make sure to, to leave those comments, like the video and subscribe. We have um, some more mock drafts coming out. If you haven't seen those, we do have a couple mocks out already, as well as our first round mock. We'll be doing our second, uh, our mock draft um, 2.0 here in a couple weeks, as well as providing more individual team mocks. Let us know in the comments as well, teams you'd like us to mock. If we haven't done your team yet, let us know which team you want us to mock. And we'll definitely make sure we can, um, we can provide that for you. Well, Chase, you got anything else to say? Um, drafts a month away. We'll both be there. You look forward to to seeing where these QBs land and uh, what teams think about it. I just I, I can't wait. Um, go go watch that Packer video. See what I think about my Packers. We did a three round mock. Go show love to the mock draft video, and we have two point coming out here pretty soon. So, just big things happening at at all things football. Big things, baby. Trying to get together some sort of of live coverage for the draft since we'll be there. So stay stay tuned for that. Well, I kind of figured that out. Um, but like I said, just like, comment, subscribe. Appreciate it. We'll catch you next time on All Things Football.